0: well, thank you for that. I don't know if you we were thinking about it or not, but I think that passed all the music tests. I so, said, well, thank you for that. Mm. So we thought about tests for music. And I hope that's been helpful. I am one that tends to say the same thing a different way. So I'm getting ready to do that. Um, and... and this last session. Do you know what a standard measurement is? A standard measurement. It's a a way of measuring something that a whole country or maybe several countries in the world use for business purposes and other things. And these countries agree, for example, that an inch is so long, a ton weighs so much, and a gallon is so much, and all those, those kinds of things. There would be a confusion in our world if there wasn't standards, way of measuring things. So the boss on the job sends the worker to the uh, the building supply store to get 25 pieces of two before eights. The boss knows what he needs. The worker knows what's needed. And the guy at the, at the building supply store, they all understand what's needed because there's a standard to go by. So that's important. There would be a lot of confusion if there wouldn't be a standard to go by, to actually measure something. Did you know the United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, gives Congress the power to fix the standard of weights and measurements? That happened in the early days of our country. Thomas Jefferson and others were involved in making that part of the Constitution. Centuries ago, people would embed something in like a foundation, a cornerstone of a church, or some other public build important public building that would, rep- would represent a standard measurement of the day. That way, years later, if you come back to that and say, "Okay, is our inch the same as it was fifty years ago?" That's what a standard is for. Because as the years go by, things could change unless there's a standard. The Bible talks about cubits. Generally, that's, I think, what I understand is the length of the forearm from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger, about 18 inches for a lot of people. But throughout the ages, people have needed a standard to measure things, to give them an accurate way to measure. Now, today, we're thinking about music. What's a good way to measure music? And again, this, what I'm about to share here is probably just restating what I've already said, just saying it in a different way, and I hope this makes sense. So we got a choice on our hands what good music is. So we need to be wise in that choice. We need to be discerning. So we need something to go by to make that choice. Some standard. So let's say we have this piece of music before us. And we need to choose. Is this good or bad? Is this wholesome or not? Or is it somewhere in between? Is it Sort of okay, but maybe not the best, and and so on. We need something to help us measure, and I guess that's part of what those tests were about, and so I'm just restating this in a different way. Today, or in this session, I'll I'll entitle it Using the Right Measuring Tape. So I have up here a board, it's a piece of ash got wormholes in it, and we took a torch and scorched it. We were working on a project, thought this might look nice, and so we took a torch and scorched it. Kind of unique. If you want something rustic and and old-looking, that's a good way to do it. Ash wood with wormholes, and you scorch it. So we're going to say that this is our piece of music we're going to look at. We need to make a choice. Is this good or not? And so we need to measure this to see how long this is. So we need an accurate measuring tape to see how long that is to help us make that choice. We need a standard that gives us something accurate to be able to base our choice on. So this piece of music, this board, it's got wormholes. Is that okay? Okay. Do you really want to build a piece of furniture with something with worm holes in it? What if the worms are in there? A lot of questions you can think about. We need some way to measure this. Is, is this enough lumber to, to make whatever it is you want to make? You need to measure it and find out. There's something about this piece of music here that intrigues us, okay, or tri- intrigues me. But is it wise? Is it good? Is it the best? Does it glorify God? And all these questions we've been thinking about. Now I've asked for some whether or not volunteers because I've asked them. So I've got three volunteers. I need one more. We're going to use these three guys up here. And we're going to use measuring tapes and we're going to measure this board. Okay, I need one more. Someone from the audience that knows how to use a measuring tape. I know you're out there. Somebody. Thank you. You four guys will come up here, stand over here. I have some instructions for you. I don't know all these guys real well, certainly not this one, but I would venture to say these guys know how to use a measuring tape. They've used it probably many times. So here's your instruction. I trust you to be truthful and honest, right? So I've got four measuring tapes, and on each measuring tape is a letter, A, B, C, and D. And up here, matching uh, pieces of, of paper up here. What you need to do is take your measuring tape, let's say you're the, the guy with the A tape, measure your board, and whatever that measuring tape says, take that marker, come up here, put that measurement right here Does that make sense? We're going to find out how long this board is. And they're agreeing to be truthful and honest. Okay, the best of their ability. So we're going to measure this board to the closest, I don't know, 16th, or something like that. Okay? So come take a pick, put your measurement up there underneath the matching. Yeah. Darren's the A guy. guys should ignore what the other guys are coming up with. They don't want to be, they shouldn't be influenced by other opinions. Thank you. That's all I need. Four different guys, four different measuring tapes. We're going to find out who's right. Thank you for that. All right, the Bible says, Leviticus 19:35, in New uh, King James Version, you shall do no injustice in judgment in measurements of length, weight, or volume. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 20, verse 10 says, Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike, an abomination to the Lord. So let's see what we got. So, I don't know if you can see that from where you're at. We've got 24 and 13 sixteenths. We've got 112 and 3 eighths. We've got 22 and 3 eighths. And we got 2 foot. Something's wrong here. How can that be? All measuring the same board. Well, it's not because of the lack of skill of any of these guys. Only one of those written measurements up there is correct. I bought all those measuring tapes at Lowe's at the same time, the same brand, and I'm sure the manufacturer was very careful to make sure that all of them are correct. So they're accurate. So now comes my time for my confession that I altered three of those measuring tapes. I took off the clip off the end cut some off and reattached the clip. Not very well, by the way. So, sorry guys, uh, there's nothing wrong with the way you read the tape. The tape itself was wrong. Tape A, I cut about an inch or so off the end, but riveted the end back on. And if you look closely, you will discover that it's not like it was at the factory. It acts kind of fragile. Hard to duplicate how the factory does that. So tape A has been shortened about an inch or so. And that causes it to read an inch too long. Tape B had 64 and 7 eighths of a cut off, a lot cut off, and I re riveted the hook back on the end. So it's way off. Tape C is a little different. I simply took a scotch pad and some denatured al- alcohol and wiped the whole tape clean where you couldn't read the measurements. So, that young man had to guess. There's nothing for him to go by. Sorry, Josh. (laughs) Tape D is unaltered, I promise. That's just the way the factory uh, had it. So, here's this simple illustration of choosing music. Here we have the music in question. It's interesting, it's intriguing, my flesh tends to like it, but is it good music? It, is God pleased with it? Is it good for me? Will it point me in the right direction? So which tape line will I use to evaluate this piece of music? Tape A is not far off, but it's not accurate. And I felt with that, compromised and mixed kingdom. And you know, we've, we've been talking about that. It's not far off, but it's not accurate. Anytime we try to mix beliefs and thoughts with the wrong kingdom with the kingdom of God, it changes what the measurement is. It changes what the conclusion is. Now, I know that you could compensate for tape A being an inch off, but on the job site, more than likely, eventually, you're going to make a mistake because you forget that it's an inch off and it's not accurate. Until I told you that tape A was only off by an inch, Probably nobody would know there was off an inch. It's not far off, but it's still off. And that's kind of the way it can be in, with compromised music. We need to think seriously about that possibility. Has your measuring tape for how you measure music, has it been altered or changed? Is it really accurate? So in choosing our music authority, having to constantly adjust for error because we know that our measuring tape is not quite accurate. Sooner or later, we're we'll going to make a mistake that we regret. The tape B is way off. This young man probably knew it was way off. He's used the tape line often enough that he put the tape on there and like, there's no way. This, this is way off. But Satan is the deceiver. What did I put up there? The world, Satan, king, Satan's kingdom. He's a deceiver. Now, if I had a four-year-old come here up, up here or someone that just barely could count and they would measure it using tape B, they probably would not know that it's way off. Off 64, over, almost 65 inches. When I believe lies, then we see truth. As being alive. In other words, it's all reversed. And that's a scary possibility we all have. So, my challenge is don't allow the world and Satan's kingdom to influence our music choices. Tape B gives us a very wrong view of our music. And so, we need to use the right tape line. Tape C simply can't be read. It's the flesh, my feelings, my logic, my preferences. In other words, Poor Josh couldn't read the tape lines, so he just made up something out of his own head. Now, he has enough experience with tape lines that he can kind of judge. That's about, and I'm sure that's why he put that there. He's not that far off, but he has experience, and so he kind of knows what the length of that board looks like. But still, he had, to, he had to guess. Is that an accurate way to measure this board? And the answer is no. Your, your perceptions, your flesh, your logic, and your preferences are not accurate enough to measure this board accurately. That's the way it is with music. We need something more than just me to measure it with. Because my feelings can change day by day and even moment by moment. You know how it is when you feel angry or lonely or something's going on in life. It, it can kind of change. What music you listen to, our feelings change. My logic can help me if it's been trained right and my, uh, my flesh surrendered to, to Christ, but my logic is limited. Was Josh's measurement accurate? Ballpark, maybe, within a few inches. But no, logic wasn't enough. God gave, gives us preferences, He gives us a musical ear but we need some help in choosing accurately. We need take D, truth, the Word of God, Holy Spirit guidance. We need something accurate to measure our music choice with. I'm so grateful for something that doesn't change. And so which one of these measurements are right? And so I'll get out my tried and true little rusty uh, Stanley Fat Max and we'll find out. Take D is correct. That's the truth. And that's why we need the Word of God, so we know what truth is. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So why did those three young men get a wrong evaluation of this board? It's not because they're inexperienced. It's not because they're stupid. No, they got a wrong evaluation of this board that we're calling music because they were using a flawed measuring tape. And that's how it is in our music. What kind of tape measure do you think Satan will hand you as you consider a piece of music? I don't know which one he'll hand you, but he'll hand you one of the ones with something wrong with it. Be careful which tape line you use. In order to get a good, accurate measurement, we need an accurate measurement tape. So again, uh, this illustration, I'm simply restating what I've already said in a different way in the last few sessions. We all have our favorite measuring tape, I suppose. And we use those measuring tapes all the time for lots and lots and lots of choices in life. And the tape I use to make choices greatly affects the kind of answers I come up with. And so my point is simple. You use the right measuring tape as you consider music. So let's consider secular music for a bit. And I've said this before. We talked about rock music, and it's a music that's full of immorality. It has been, always has been. It's about immorality, about defiance, about rebellion, about drug use. The producers of this music say so themselves. In fact, these couple of books up here that I would recommend go to great length to have quotes from the superstars of the rock music industry. And that's what they say their music is about. Not something we should be filling our minds and hearts with. So why don't we tone down the music a bit to country music, if you want to say it that way. Is that better? You know that it's also full of immorality, selfishness, alcohol use, and so on. And we could talk about other styles of music. So much of secular music is about lifestyle validation. In other words, the purpose of of this kind of music is not to challenge the listener to a higher way of life or to be more like Christ, but rather it seeks to give value and significance to the sinful lifestyle that the listener may be already living or being tempted to live. Lifestyle validation. And the lifestyle of the world, man of the world, is an empty life. We know that. It's full of idols. The music of the world seeks to to give the sinful lifestyle, which is empty, it seeks to give the empty life some purpose and significance. And even some spiritual something in, in some cases. So, when our music... Easily casually shifts from drinking beer and cheating on your marriage partner Saturday night to having some sort sort of relationship with God Sunday morning. There's a problem. So, what about classical music? What about that? That's very different than rock music, country music, rap music, all these kinds of things. Very different. What about classical? We can be critical of secular music performers because of lack of moral character and conduct, and rightly so. But to be fair, we need to use the same measuring tape with classical music. Composers of classical music don't always live a pure life. And this is something I found somewhere. It says that Bach had 32 children. Mozart was a Freemason, and Beethoven was a universalist. I don't know if that's true or not. Another famous composer produced a lot of classical music was a gay man. Some classical compositions have murder and violence and hatred and greed and immorality other such evils as themes. The point here is, even though classical music May not promote these kinds of things in the same way that secular music does. Still, classical music needs to be measured with the same accurate measure we measure all music with. Just because something's labeled classical doesn't mean it's pure. I'm just saying, let's be careful. Let's be wise. So, what about the burning question of CCM? That's probably the question here among young people. Many Christian people don't see a problem listening to it. Well, first of all, I would say that I think CCM, which, by the way, means Contemporary Christian Music, I think it's too broad of a term. And you think about contemporary, it would have the idea of during this time, up-to-date, contemporary. My point being that if something has been written recently, it doesn't automatically mean it's suspicious or it's bad. So I think the term contemporary Christian music is probably too broad of a term. In fact, every one of our hymns in our hymn book one day was a new song. And I would pray that God would raise up gifted people in our time to write words and music that will glorify God and encourage God's people. And I really, really appreciate the efforts of some organizations like the different music camps that have come into being in recent years. I appreciate their efforts to teach what good music is, to sharpen the skills of talented people or interested people, and to promote the writing of good music. So my point here is when a piece of music is written, is, is, that's not the point, at least in my mind. the label CCM is two balls of a turn. There's a wide range of music that could come under that label of CCM. So for this message today, what I'm talking about, I'm labeling it CCM, but what I'm talking about was what I would consider to have Christian words set to secular music. Okay? Again, it depends on your perception of where that line should be. But let's just call CCM Christian words put to secular music. What about that? Recently, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine in another state, and he was asking what I was preaching about recently, and I mentioned this series, and he says, you know, it's something he's he's pondered and and struggled with, actually. He's very concerned about this very thing, especially with CCM and this home congregation in this other state. And he felt like the issue was something they need to look at as a church, but he had a problem. His fellow minister was involved with CCM. What does he do? And so he's grappling with that. Now, I don't know what the answer is all there, but think with me as we consider this question. What about CCM? We know that there's a real Supernatural evil being called Satan. We know that. The name Satan is used 56 times in the King James Version Bible. He's real. Satan desires to be like God. Isaiah 14, verses 12-14. to Satan desires worship. Matthew 4, verse 9. That's when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. Satan is the deceiver. Revelation 12, verse 9. We know these things. Satan tries to counterfeit the things of God. He even appears as an angel of light. That's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. The message that Satan promotes is not always openly evil or wrong. Genesis 3, verse 6. There in the Garden of Eden. And the main goal of Satan is to get people to disobey the Word of God. What about the argument But CCM's message is good. It's not bad. It's not evil. Maybe not directly. But let's also remember that not all evil things are openly evil. I'm not saying that CCM is evil. I'm just asking us to be wise, to be discerning. It's the dead cow in the creek that I talked about yesterday. It's the oil in the water that I talked about yesterday. In the Garden of Eden, eating of the forbidden forbidden fruit appeared to be a good thing. But it was disobedience against the Word of God. There are clear examples of disobedience to the Word of God in CCM music. Sometimes this disobedience is is displayed openly, even proudly, as an alternative lifestyle. Sometimes biblical doctrine is deliberately twisted to accommodate sinful lifestyles. Am I I paying attention to these things, is my plea. Are we noticing what is actually being promoted? Is it obeying or disobeying the Word of God? So what about the argument, but CCM artists, seem to genuinely love God. I can't see the hearts of people. I don't know how sincere they are. But you started the account in Matthew chapter 16. That's the account where Jesus asked His disciples, He said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter had this amazing answer. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus goes on in Matthew 16 there to uh, explain to the disciples how he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to die and be raised again. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes him and says, Jesus, this is not a good idea. That's not what Peter had in mind. And what did Jesus say? He said, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense to me. He rebuked Peter for that. Thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that are of men. Now, as I think about Peter pulling Jesus aside and saying, you know, this shouldn't be. I can understand that as a human. We don't want Jesus to suffer and die. So, I understand Peter's point of view as a human. But Peter's point of view was against the Word of God is my point. Peter was using the wrong measuring tape, wasn't he? He needed a different measuring tape. So what was Peter's motive? Well, his motive was pure, I think. I imagine. I would say that Peter's motive probably for saying, no, Jesus is not not suffering and dying. But I suppose his motive was that Peter loved Jesus. And so Peter's motive was good. But it was against the Word of God. And my point here is that a music artist may be sincere and have good motives and sing about loving Jesus. And those are all good things, important things. But love and good motives are not a substitute for simple obedience, is my point. Obeying the Word of God. So what about the the, the argument, but CCM artists seem to genuinely be worshiping the Lord? And I am sure they are. But let me remind us that it's not only sincere believers that worship the Lord. We have examples in Scripture of devils and unclean spirits worshiping the Lord. So just because they worship the Lord doesn't mean that they belong to the Lord. Does that make sense? So what if a CCM artist mentions salvation? Does that mean their music is uncompromised? Remember Acts chapter 16, we won't turn to it. That's the account where that girl's following Paul and Silas around and telling people, these men are the servants of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. She told the truth, but that didn't make her a believer. Did Paul invite her share the pulpit with him to give her testimony? I don't think so. What she was saying was truth. And what their purpose was was truth. She said the right thing. But after many days of this, Paul finally, with the power of God, cast that unclean spirit out of that poor girl. So my point here was the girl was saying what was right. But the messenger, the unclean spirit, was not right. So we have that possibility. We need to be thinking about that as we choose our music. I'm not here to judge the sincerity of, uh, of, or the motives of a CCM artist. I'm just saying we need to be careful about obedience to the Word of God. It's the measuring tape for our choices. So does this music promote worldliness? Is there a mixing of two kingdoms? Does it promote me, self, and what I want rather than growing in Christ? Is it about the flesh? Does it mimic the, the music of the world with a few slight changes in the words? Is it about entertainment rather than spiritual growth? Is it spiritually shallow? These are all important questions to think, consider and think about. Are we having to sort through a lot of junk to get something good? That's a, that's a red flag for us. Does it honor God in every way? Is the message strong, clear, and accurate according to the Word of God? And again, the measuring tape analogy. Does it ignore the issue of simple obedience to God in, in everyday life? Does it water down the holiness of God? Or trivialize the cross of Christ? What are the real motives behind this in question? These questions sometimes are hard to pinpoint. But it's worth investing some time and thought and prayer into these questions. We can get some clues and ask God for much wisdom as we consider this. There would be other possible red flags we could mention about CCM. One of the things that bothers me is those red flags that we could mention about CCM were also the same red flags we could mention about secular music. And that bothers me. Why should they be the same red flags? Something's not quite right with this picture. And again, I understand there's a wide variety here, and I'm not sure exactly where the line should be between what's okay and what's not. But let's be diligent. Let's be careful. Is this music that we're considering... Cowardly following the world just a few steps behind? Or is it confronting the world with truth and seeking to change it? I have a couple quotes here from Michael W. Smith, a once popular crossover artist. And this is what he said. And I quote, If Jesus was here today, physically, I'm not sure that he would be in the churches. He would be hanging out at the bars with the desperate and the lonely. I don't think Jesus would be going in and preaching. I think he would be going in and befriending people. End quote. I don't know what you think of that. Michael W. Smith also told the Wall Street Journal about his music. And I quote, I know that if I'm too blatant about my Christianity and talk about Jesus too much, I won't succeed. But hey, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a singer. End quote. So I asked the question, Is the attitude and the belief system of that kind of music what we want to be teaching us what it means to follow God? I'm not picking on Michael W. Smith. I don't know the man. don't know his heart. That's just an example of a crossover artist and what he had to say about his music. Someone said this about compromised CCM music. It's the blind and carnal leading the blind and the carnal on a path of delusion and error. Let's be careful. Let's be wise. Okay, so I've talked a lot about the problems of compromised music today, and not only today, but yesterday. And I hope we've been paying attention. Now, let's consider the possibility that someone in this audience realizes that they've been messing around with music that's not good. And they know that it's affecting them in a a bad way. And they know that something needs to be changed. And maybe they even have tried to change it and haven't been able to. I can say that from experience myself back in the day when I was your age. So today we need to realize that there's hope. There's the right path. And even though bad music is so addictive and powerful and hard to leave behind, there is hope. There's a different path. When we find ourselves being sucked back in, what well, we know we should leave alone and, and leave behind. Maybe you've heard this lie from the devil. Something like this. If you leave this music behind, you're going to be short-changed and miss that essential music in your life. This music is who you are. You ever heard that lie? And I would just say, baloney. God has never, ever, ever shortchanged anybody in the history of the world when they sacrifice their life and surrender to Him. God has never shortchanged anyone. Has He ever shortchanged you? The answer is no. God always gives way more than the world could ever offer. Paul wrote that it about all the things in his past and how he left them behind they were important when he was doing those things to him, but those things were worthless in comparison to Christ. God did not shortchange Paul, and neither will he you. Paul found the real treasure, Jesus Christ. And so if this is you, dear one, who is struggling with music, knowing what needs to happen but unable to do it, Please be reassured that God will never, ever shortchange you. And if the devil tells you that lie, know it's a lie. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about surrendering to the Lordship of Christ and His power, His ability to help us make those needed changes. The children of Israel longed for the leeks and the garlics of Egypt, and they forgot that eating those things meant they were slaves. It's very much the way it is in music. Letting the wrong music to have a place in my life is like letting a baby lion in my house. And baby lions, when they're fed, become big lions and monsters. Be careful about that baby lion. Just because it's cute, just because I happen to like it, let's remember that little lions become big lions. And after a while, it becomes the master of the house. Romans thirteen verse fourteen: "But we'll put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts thereof." Someone will say, "I know this music isn't the best, but I can't change what my tastes are." And I would agree to a point that we can't change our taste what our tastes are because we're weak. We're human. Some people that are very determined can grit your teeth and make a few changes. Many of us are weak when it comes to those kind of changes. Changing what we love is difficult. But I know someone who has the power to change anything in my life, in your life, that's needed to be changed when I surrender to Him. So don't try to do this on your own. God can change us. His power can change us from the inside out. And that's what needs to happen. Can I change my music taste? I think a real key in changing my taste in music is to change our heart treasure. And as we change our heart treasure, our preferences will follow. It might take some time, make take some deliberate choices, but as we change our heart treasure, our preferences will follow. We will always have to deal with the flesh. This is true. But when Christ is my treasure, then my preferences are no longer my master. I belong to Christ. And so change your heart treasure and your preferences will follow. Another point. Make a clear, deliberate decision to leave that wrong or compromise music behind and tell some key people about it. Who will hold you accountable. Who will ask the questions, hey, how are you doing? Ask for accountability. Don't draw the new line of music too close to what my flesh desires. Leave some room there, some space, so that temptation doesn't linger near. That will mean that you will likely need to leave aside Lay out some music that's probably okay, maybe borderline, but you need to stay away from that borderline because you could be tempted to get right back into it again. It will also likely mean that you need to tell your friends about your decision and will likely mean that you cannot listen to music that maybe they feel okay about. You're going to have to accept that. Another point, you need to treat a bad music habit as a wrong addiction because that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Another point, have a bonfire if you need it. In today's world, you don't have tapes and CDs. A lot of us don't. But you know what I mean. Get rid of the thing that's bogging you down. Whatever sacrifices... Necessary for you to have victory in your life is worth it. Burn the Trojan horse rather than pulling it inside the walls. And in spite of the lies that Satan tells you, you will never miss the leeks and the garlics of slavery if you eat at the king's table. Think about that. Another point, a very important point for me personally replace. Compromise music with what is pure and good uh, and good. Pure and good. Don't leave a vacuum of no music. Now, I know some of you are not as musical, and it, it may be you need a little something different, but those of us who are very musical, don't leave a vacuum of no music. Well, if I can't have what my preference is, I'm just not going to have music. That was a mistake for me. Fill it with the good. Another point. Make a list of the typical triggers in your life that make wrong music a struggle. It could be many things for us. Things like not reading my Bible or not praying often enough. Compromise in my life. Things like loneliness, peer pressure, being overwhelmed or weary or being envious of someone being defeated in some other area of life. These are triggers or things that make me more vulnerable to wrong music. So if I understand what can trigger that for me, then I can be wiser and be especially diligent when I'm lonely or or a little depressed or struggling with some other area of life. Be especially uh, aware and and cautious in those times because those are those weak moments when Satan hooks us back in again. Another point, abide in Christ, pursue Him with all your heart. Make Him your first love. And the more we love Him, the more we become like Him, the less appealing the things of the world are. It strips away the the glitter and the glamour and and exposes the things of the world for what they are, the ugly and the empty and the nasty. The devil tells us a lie, that goody-goody music, it's flat, it's boring, it's hypocritical. But the truth is that the devil's music is vile. It promotes a path of death. And there's nothing sissy about a heart that is singing the praises of God of the one who saved it. Another point, we tend to live on the level of the music we listen to. It may not always be true, but that's the tendency. And that's the important thing to think about. So, use the right measuring tape in your music choices. And you've got to use the measurement of truth. Any other... If you're going to use a falsehood to measure your music, you're going to come up with the wrong answer. It's time to close. How do I wrap up these messages on music? There's more to be said. Could be shit said. I've lot of, I said a lot of things in these five messages. I'm not going to repeat them. Maybe someone here today is thinking, well, yeah, preacher, I hear what you're saying. Maybe I ought to do a little better in in my music. Maybe I need some balance. And friend, if that's you, I'll just challenge you with the fact that Jesus never asked His followers to have a good balance between Him and the world. You know what I mean? There's no balance between Christ and the world. It's one or the other. I understand we need good balance in life. But when it comes to who my master is, there's no balance. It's one or the other. What does Jesus say? Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That sounds like drudgery, right? Oh, man, we have to do this, carry this, everything around. But it's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. No secrets. Nothing hidden. You know, we can't mix two kingdoms and expect to have victory. So anything short of total surrender to Christ is really a rejection of him. Well, God has given us a tremendous gift, a powerful gift in music. But along with that powerful gift is the responsibility to use that gift well, to invest that gift well, and to choose wisely. God bless you. Young people, you've you've listened well. Thank you for that. And I hope that this has been encouragement somehow, even if we don't agree on every single point. But uh, an encouragement to choose wisely. God bless you.